You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. This is how it begins, the love of self. Men love their carnal selves better than they love their spiritual selves. Men love to gratify their own lusts and they make provision for the lust. They want to do more than that than anything than to please God. Instead of charity or Christian giving, they look out for themselves. What can I get out of this? What can I get? How can I take this up? They only think of themselves, they perform their own gratification to the church's edification. Ouch. Wow, that was quite an exhortation from Pastor Dave. He really brought the ugly part of our human nature to the forefront. As you listen today, you'll hear Pastor Dave share the story of an awful example of human sinful nature in Gehazi. Gehazi told a lie so that he could gain gold and silver. Are you willing to be dishonest for gain? Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Kings chapter 5 as he continues his message. Gehazi falls from grace. We do that a lot. We draw other people into our lie to give us credibility. And sometimes we love the lie so much that we start to believe our own lie. And our own lie becomes true. And we fight for it. Naaman was unaware of Gehazi's lie. And he gives back to him much more than he asks. Naaman, you know, is... He's just experienced this healing of leprosy. And he's, he's having that wonderful, beautiful relationship with God now. And he wants to serve God. A man comes and asks for things. And he says, yeah, I'm going to give you. No, don't just take a talent. Take two talents. And here, don't just take two sets of clothes. Take all these garments. In fact, he gave them so much that his servants had to help Gehazi carry it back. Look at verse 23. So Naaman said, please, take two talents. And he urged him and bound two talents of silver into two bags with two changes of garments and handed them to two of his servants and they carried them on ahead of him. Notice the number two here. Naaman is being a good witness of the Lord. Naaman is being a great witness of the Lord. Two is always the number of witness. Jesus sent them out by two. Always a good witness. Must have been heavy. Two talents of silver. So they come and draw close to the place where he lived. They're now going to draw close to the place where he lived. And Gehazi dismisses Naaman's servant. Look at 24. When he came to the citadel, he took them from their hand and stored them away in the house. And then he let the men go and they departed. So now he's going to start to be even deceitful. He has lied And now he's being deceitful. He doesn't want anybody to see what he has. He's going to hide them. He's going to hide them. It's interesting to me that how one lie always leads to another lie, which always leads to another lie. And pretty soon you're so deep in your lies, you have no way out. It's like you've put yourself into this giant trap because all you've done is lied and lied and lied. He tries to cover it up. He deliberately hid this stuff from Elisha because he knew he was doing wrong. 
He knew it was wrong and he deliberately hid this. So his actions are convicting him. So the lying continues. Gehazi lied to himself. He lied to Naaman. And now, sadly, he lies to his master. Let's read verse 25. Now he went and stood before his master. Elisha said to him, Where did you go, Gehazi? And he said, Your servant did not go anywhere. (laughs) Your servant didn't go anywhere. He acted very innocently before Elisha. He acted real innocently before Elisha, but little did Gehazi know that Elisha knew. Elisha was on to him. How do you lie to a man of God? (laughs) How do you come to a man of God who's been doing all these miracles and is doing all these kind of things and lie to him without thinking that he might know? I think that's pretty, I get get humor out of that. And then we come to the next part in verse 26. Then he, Elisha, said to him, did not my heart go with you when the man turned back from his chariot to meet you? Oh. Is that when Gehazi pulled a Jackie Gleason? Humana, 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 humana. Is that when Gehazi looked his master in the face and it's like, hey, I got you dead to rights, pal. I got you dead to rights. He said, is it time to receive money, receive clothing, olive groves, vineyards, sheep, oxen, male, and female servants? Look at this list. Look at this list. Did not my heart go with you? I hear a broken heart from Elisha. His own servant turned on him. His own servant lied to him. His own servant did what he specifically didn't want him to do. I hear a broken heart here. I hear a broken heart when Elisha says, wait a minute, I want my heart went with you, and it's crushed. I hear sadness in his voice because Gehazi was a beloved servant was a beloved servant, and he had never treated him poorly. He had never treated him bad. Reminds me of Joshua 7, when they went to Ai, and they lost the battle of Ai. And Joshua went before the Lord and said, what's going on? The Lord said, there's sin in the camp. And Achan basically hid it. He had taken treasure from Jericho and hid it in his tent. And he wouldn't come forward. And Joshua had to get the entire tribes out there. And he had to go through the tribes, all the way to the tribe, until they came to Achan. And Achan finally confessed. But the end result wasn't good. Because he and his family and all his animals and all his possessions, they were all killed and burned up. Then we have a husband and wife team in Acts 5. A husband and wife team called Ananias and Sapphira. They had some property. They had some property. And now everybody back then was selling their property and they were giving all the money to the disciples who were giving it out. And they were helping the poor. The disciples weren't asking for the money, but the people, because they loved the Lord so much, were selling it and they were giving it to the disciples to distribute. They were helping everybody else out. It was their money. Ananias and Sapphira had some property together and they sold it but they held back some money. They held back some money. And then when they went in to the disciples, (laughs) again, when you lie to a man, men of God, you're in trouble. They went into the disciples and they said, here's the money. 
The disciples knew that that wasn't all the money they sold for. So they said, is this all the money there is? And they said, yes. Uh, uh. Scripture says they lied to the Holy Spirit. Ananias lied first, lied first. He was struck dead right there. His wife, Sapphira, came in, told the exact same lie. And they basically said, see the men who carried out the, the body of your husband? They're going to carry yours out next. Boom. And she dropped dead right there. <laughs> and I love the next verse in Acts 5. After Ananias was killed and carried out, after Sapphira was killed and carried out, the very next verse said, and great fear came over the church. <laughs> I guess so. I guess it did. I guess it did. Elisha saw right into Gehazi's heart. He knew why he did it. Look at the verse. Money, clothing, olive groves, vineyards, sheep, oxen, and servants. Gehazi wanted all these things. His heart became greedy. He was full of covetousness. Gehazi's lying led him to be a fault witness to Naaman. Remember, how did Naaman get to Elisha? The little servant girl, remember? The little servant girl. He just countered that witness all to heck. And then there was the beautiful miracle that he experienced. That was all done. And Gehazi discounted the glory of God that was clearly shown to this Gentile. His witness was horrible. So God does what he does best. He judges sin. But he judges righteously. Look at verse 27. Therefore, this is Elisha speaking God's words. The leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and your descendants forever. And he went out from his presence leprous as white as snow. It's interesting that Achan and Ananias and Sapphira were killed instantly because of their deceit and their lies. Gehazi receives this horrible judgment for his sin. He's struck with leprosy, and even his descendants are going to get leprosy. So this sin, or leprosy represents sin, but this horrible illness will continue to perpetuate through his entire family. One commentator said this, quote, the covetousness that ate away at Gehazi's heart became leprosy that ate away at his body, unquote. Gehazi hoped for fame and fortune, but got years and years of sorrow and pain. His leprosy would keep him from the community forever. He was unclean. He wasn't allowed to be around anybody. He would no longer be Elisha's servant. His ministry was taken from him. Paul tells Timothy that one of the qualifications for elders of the church is not to be greedy for money. Here you see Gehazi's ministry being pulled from him. This was a severe judgment. But a man who is in ministry is always under stricter judgment. There's always a stricter judgment for those who are in ministry. What's also interesting is that Paul also wrote to Timothy about the faith concerning the love of money. And he describes it one of the marks of the last days. Turn to 2 Timothy 3. Look what he says here in 2 Timothy 3. Here's another wonderful list of things I'm going to read. I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. He says, but know this. Paul is writing to his beloved son, Timothy, who is the pastor in Ephesus. 
And he writes these words. He says, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. From such people, turn away. Once again, I direct you to the headlines in any newspaper that you might pick up. This describes our world today. And listen, he said, in the last days. That's key. In the last days. Perilous times will come. Why? Because men will be lovers of themselves. Notice that that's first. Love of self is first, and everything falls under that. Everything else falls under the lover of themselves. This is how it begins, the love of self. Men love their carnal selves better than they love their spiritual selves. Men love to gratify their own lusts, and they make provision for the lust. They want to do more than that than anything than to please God. Instead of charity or Christian giving, they look out for themselves. What can I get out of this? What can I get? How can I take this up? They only think of themselves. They perform their own gratification to the church's edification. And look at the list of sins after lovers of themselves. Self-love brings a trainload of sins. A trainload of sins from self-love. Look at it. I can't read the list again. It's too profound. No good can be expected of lovers of themselves. But those who love God with all their hearts are only expected of good. We're only expected of good. When covetousness prevails Every man is out to get for what they can get and keeping everything they have, and this makes them dangerous. This makes them dangerous because they'll kill to keep what they have. Or they'll kill to get what you have. We see that happening all over the world. Gehazi lied to himself. He lied to Naaman. He lied to Elisha. His deceitfulness resulted in a lifelong struggle with a horrible, horrible disease, and it led to an agonizing death. Wages of sin is death. Let me ask you, have you ever told a lie? Now, if you're saying no, you just told one. But it's just a little white lie. It was just a little tiny lie. It didn't hurt anybody. Well, if that's what you believe, then you are a Gehazi lying to yourself. You are a Gehazi lying to yourself. The Bible is clear that lying is a sin and displeasing to God. The first sin in the world involved a lie. Has God really said that you're going to die? Has God really said? Ten Commandments tells us not to bear false witness. Colossians 3.9 says, don't lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. We read about lying in 2 Timothy. Liars are going to be judged in the end days according to Revelation 2.18. But in contrast, Titus says God never lies. God is always truthful. He is the source of the truth. And in fact, Hebrews 6.18 says it is impossible for God to lie. 
We seem to place a value on lies. We Actually, we seem to place a value on sin. We place values on sin that God does not place on sin. But we place values on sin. Well, it was just a lie. It wasn't like I killed somebody. It wasn't like I did this or did that. It was just a lie. Well, okay. Turn to Proverbs. Proverbs 6, to be exact. Proverbs 6, beginning in verse 16. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. An abomination is something of disgust, something that is hated, something that's horrible. There's nothing sacred about this abomination. Listen to the list of these abominations. A proud look, a lying tongue. Uh-oh. Hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that swift to run into evil, a false witness who lies. There's the lying again. And sows discord among the brethren. God takes lying at a very, very dim view of it. When we tell a lie, we deserve the extreme penalty. It's called death. So let me ask you the next question. This is fun. Is there ever a time when it's okay to lie? Is there ever a time when it's okay to lie? Had the Bible ever had anybody who lied get away with it? Oh, don't say no. Too fast, gang. Be careful. Be careful. I can think of two. I can think of two. Two instances. Two instances. Who can give me one? Rahab. Rahab lied. They weren't here. Those two guys weren't here. Who else? Who else? The midwives of Egypt. The midwives of Egypt, when they were supposed to kill the Hebrew kids, they went to Pharaoh and he said, are you killing the Hebrew kids? No, we're not killing the Hebrew kids. They lied. They lied. They lied. God never condones these lies, but the positive outcome of these lies, the Bible nowhere praises them. The Bible nowhere states that there are instances where lying is the right thing to do. But at the same time, the Bible does declare that there is no possible instance in which lying is acceptable. So the question remains, is there ever a time when lying is the right thing to do? Well, probably not, but Corey Tenboom, Corey Tenboom hid Jews during Nazi-occupied Holland. Corey Tenboom hid Jews. Nazi soldiers came to her door and knocked on her door where Jews were hiding. What should she do? Should she tell the truth? If she told the truth, the Jews would be drug out and they would be killed, wouldn't they? She did. She lied. She said that there was nobody there. She lied. So in an instant where there might be a horrible evil, maybe lying is acceptable. I don't think we'll ever have that in our life. However, when I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking about April 21st, 1999. Anybody know what happened on that day? 
April 21st, 1999. Little town called Littleton, Colorado. Little school called Columbine. Dylan Klebold, guy named Harris, walked up to a little girl and said, are you a Christian? And held a gun to her head. She didn't lie, did she? She said, yes, I am. And they shot her. They shot her, killed her right there on the spot. Are we going to lie? Probably. We probably will. Don't want to. It's not our goal to lie. But thanks be to Jesus Christ, our Lord. And thanks be him for being our advocate. That when we do lie, his blood has already cleansed us from that sin. And when we confess to him, he is faithful and just to forgive that sin and to continually cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. We need to think about these things. We need to look at these things and say, okay, God, what is it to you? How can I glorify you? Did this young lady glorify God in her death? Absolutely. Absolutely glorify God in her death. Absolutely. Did Corey Tenboom glorify God in her lie? Those Jews were saved. They didn't die. Interesting. I hope that you're never faced with that situation. I sincerely hope that we are never faced with that type of a situation. Gehazi got covetousness in his blood. His heart was wrong. And he, through a series of events, a series of lives, found himself with the same leprosy that Naaman was healed from, knowing that he would pass it down to his descendants. Horrible way to live because of a sin. Thanks be to Jesus Christ. That's all I can say. Thanks be to the Lord. Gracious Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that we can glean from your scriptures that which how you want us to behave and how you want us to act. We can glean from your scriptures, knowing, Lord, that you think lying is an abomination. Lord, we give you thanks and praise for Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that you knew that we would sin beforehand and that you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, into the world, that through him, through his death, we might have eternal life. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you had this plan before the foundations of the world. So, Father God, I didn't want to come down on anybody. I'm not pointing fingers at anyone because we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But, Lord, thank you for giving us the way out through Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, if anybody here is struggling with any sort of problem like sin, like covetousness, like lying, like any type of sin, Lord, that they would confess it to you right now. And Lord, you would forgive them because that's what your word says you do. You look for the heart, broken and contrite heart that wants to get right with you. Attend to the prayers as only you can, Father God. May your love continue to permeate their hearts. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You are a sure. 
This has been another edition of A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank. Thanks for tuning in. As you notice in the course of history, an entire nation can be led astray by following after other gods. But the leader of the nation is the one who sets the example. In so many cases in 2 Kings, the one who was in charge was himself acting wickedly or was swayed by the people who were doing evil practices. Unfortunately, you see the downfall and destruction of a nation when it chooses to stray from following after God. What does that mean for today? What are the patterns and practices being set into place in this nation? When you refer to history, it doesn't look promising, but that doesn't mean that you have to give in to societal pressures and practices. Your example of standing up against the norms could affect others around you. You never know who's observing and how they might change their own perspective based on your example. If you have any questions about what you heard today, you can reach us at 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609-884-5821. We encourage you to keep looking to Scripture for answers about all of life's questions. We're so glad you tuned in to A Sure Hope today. If you want to hear this message again or others like it, you'll be able to find them on our website, assurehoperadio.com. Don't forget to join us again next time to learn more valuable lessons in 2 Kings right here on A Sure Hope.